You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer, Mark Alderman, and Jim Schultz. Guys, good morning. May 16th, Saturday. Beautiful Saturday. Jim and I are outside. Mark's inside. My mistake. I am uh, doing the podcast here with Brady Schweitzer. Hopefully he won't he won't interrupt us. I'm hoping he does, Howard. I, I think he has some insight to bring here. Adds a lot of value. Definitely perspective. Uh, guys, let's start by talking about the reopening. Um, why is this a red state, blue state thing? Coronavirus is not a red state, blue state thing. So why... Are the red states doing one thing and the blue states doing another, Jim? I think that, you know, it's not just a red state, blue state thing. I think it's a more it's it's more of a rural versus suburban and urban issue than anything else. And you see that playing out more than more than ever in Pennsylvania, where you have, you know, the coasts of Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and, you know, what James Carble deemed was Alabama in between. Um He's not wrong about that. And the folks in between are getting very frustrated with this governor at like, you know, like many blue states where you have some rural aspects to it. They're like, why us? We're not having this problem. And the politicians in, you know, in Pennsylvania or the, in the Republican controlled legislature, largely because of that large swath of red in between are coming out hard for their constituents. And that's where it turns into a red versus blue issue because you have folks in those areas coming out hard against a governor that's siding with, you know, at the end of the day, siding with the problems that are occurring in places like Philadelphia and trying to extrapolate them across the state. Well, I was with you till the very end, Jim, but I I think Howard, this is a uh, rare opening to uh, a beltway briefing where Jim's got it mostly right. (laughs) What's happening here, of course, is that we are a divided country. We're a divided country before Donald Trump. He hasn't helped, Jim, but we were a divided country before Donald Trump. We were a divided country under Barack Obama. And what you are seeing is the fault lines in our country, in our society come out. And I think Jim's absolutely right that it is in part a a rural urban thing. It is in part a coastal, middle-of-the-country thing, but it is mostly just the division that is deep and, and abiding in our society, and it's a damn shame. We had a chance, half a chance as a country to unite in this crisis, and among the many failures uh, for the United States of America is that, that we didn't. And and the fault lines are cracking open, urban, rural, rich, poor, white, black, coastal, heartland. It it isn't it isn't helping since the virus is utterly indifferent to all of that. Right. But I think some of it is also coming back to folks that just want to get back to work. They want to get back to their daily lives. And, you know, folks who haven't been terribly impacted from this in other parts of the country are looking at this and saying, I'm dying over here, not from the virus. I'm dying economically because yeah. I can't go to work. And and there's going to be revolts over that, especially in states like 
you know, I said it before, Pennsylvania and other swing states across the country where you may have a blue governor that's trying to hold tight on it and a state legislature that's fighting back on behalf of their constituents who, you know, who come from those rural areas. Yeah, but in fairness to the governor, Jim, and you know this state uh, better than I do, you you worked for it for all those years. Yeah, he's opening up where he thinks he safely can. And the fact of the matter is that the virus is much more urban than rural, and it is much more in the southeast than the rest of the state. And I, I don't accept that it's political. I don't accept that it's partisan. I don't even accept that it is favoring urban over rural. I think he's doing the best he can with, with the medical facts. And the fact is that it's worse in Philadelphia than in uh, Elk County. Right. But in places like Dauphin County, Mark, and, and Lancaster County, uh, you know, which isn't too far from urban areas, you know, they're ready to reopen. Their county commissioners, their elected officials are saying, look, we're ready to reopen, Governor. And what this governor's yeah. response was, if you defy me, I'm going to yank your COVID funding. Yeah, but they've and now gone red to yellow. I mean, he's he's reopened everything. Right, but I, I think the heavy nature of it, and look, everybody gets caught up in the moment, right? And and politicians do this all the time. But I think you get, you get caught up in the moment and say, look, I'm in charge here, is basically what he was saying. And you, know, I know your community better than you do. And I'm the one here where the buck stops at my desk. And I'm not going to let you reopen, notwithstanding the fact that the majority well, of folks in your county won't think they can reopen. And quite frankly, the doctors would differ as to whether you could reopen or should but, reopen. But now, now we've got the chicken and egg that we were inevitably coming to. Governor Wolf's pushback, the, the declaration that I'm in charge and I'm not sending you money if you don't uh, do it my way. That was, of course, chronologically, sequentially responsive to and in reaction to Trump telling them to open the damn state. So, and I don't care who's the chicken and who's the egg. I've got my opinion. We all know what that is. But but it is this back and forth between the president and the governors that just isn't doing anybody any good. And and I don't think, boy, when the president says that governors are keeping their states closed to hurt him politically, you don't believe that. I don't believe that. God knows what Trump believes. But that, you know, that isn't true of Tom Wolf. That isn't true of Tom Wolf. Tom Wolf, he may be, he may be erring on the side of medical caution. Maybe yes, maybe no, but he isn't doing this. He he not running well, every, for anything. Let's let's not say no. I understand, but let's not let's not say that politics doesn't factor into this decision making to a certain extent because it does. Politics factors into every decision that elected government officials make, and Tom Wolf's no exception. The president's no exception. Governors around the country are no exception. You know, one so guy's the idea for that this is one guy free, isn't. Free yeah, but. You're well, always you're always but running for your legacy. For you're always running for your legacy. And Jim's right yeah, that Tom, politics Tom Wolf, always Tom Wolf is not decisions. I'm defending my governor to this degree. He was reacting to the president challenging him. 
And of course, there's a political. No, he was reacting to the state legislature. Well, Trump him. was reacting. That really had little is, to do. We with can the do president. chicken and I, egg back. He's re, he's reacting to Senator Scarnati and Senator Corman and Mike Terzai, who pointed out that you know seventy percent, roughly seventy percent of the deaths in the state came in nursing homes, right? And well, that's, that's a whole what he's reacting. <laughs> now you're on thin ice, Jim. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, you know, we can go back to Adam and Eve with chicken and egg if you want. It was the legislature, it was the governor, it was the, the president, it was the man in the moon. Well, But back to Howard's very important question, uh, I, I just think we are failing as a country here. We are failing as a country that this too has become a divisive, partisan political issue. It doesn't matter if it's more R's fault than D's fault. We, we aren't going to get out of this anytime soon if we're fighting with each other instead of all fighting this virus. And I just think it's damn I just think it's a damn shame that we're not as a country rising to the opportunity. Look, at, the, at the end at the end of the day, Mark though, I, t- I agree with you that we should be united. But at the same time, disagreement breeds breeds good decisions sometimes. And that's why we have the party system that we have in this country. And that's why we can have this, this dialogue that we're having where you and I argue on, on, on a podcast over political and policy issues. This has become a political issue because the economics of all this is going to be front and center come election time. Well, sure. But economically, this country has faced the uh, greatest catastrophe uh, in in the world, or as great as any. Our economy has been destroyed to uh, an extent that matches any on the planet. We have more deaths here. You are more likely to die of the virus here than any place on earth, and and that's a national failing. I uh, I give Trump a good share of the blame, maybe FDR or George Washington would have overcome it. But the fact is that you look around the world and a country, ours, that that saved South Korea and saved Germany is now lagging. We are are not the place on the planet that's setting uh, an example for anybody here. But that's a large, largely, you know, and I think everyone would agree that that's largely because of people's you know, freedoms here in this country, right? You're only going to keep people locked away for so long. And, you know, if that's the, if that's the plan to just keep people locked away, I mean, look, this started out as, okay, we want to flatten the curve largely because we wanted to make sure that our hospitals weren't overwhelmed, that there were enough uh, ventilators, if you will. Well, you know, that all, that, that's all kind of gone by the wayside. Nobody's talking about a lack of ventilators anymore, anywhere. And, you know, we're starting to see things reopen as we should. And I think you're going to have arguments about the speed within which we're going to do that. And I think it's a good idea that politicians are fighting about it. I do. Yeah, that's not, that's a fair point that disagreement breeds good decisions. That That's a fair point. But I guess I, I wonder if at the end of all of this, people are just more fed up with politicians on both sides of the aisle, because the fact of the matter is whether you're in Pennsylvania, which is remaining closed, or, or Los Angeles County, which is closed until the end of July, or you're in Florida that's opening up. Or, or I talked to a client yesterday in Nebraska. They never closed down. Right. Um, the restaurants are open. 
you know, at the end of the day, people are still going to die. And the politicians are politicians just hated that much more coming out of this on both sides of the aisle because we're all pretty much pawns for their political decision making. I mean, that's a very cynical way of looking at the world, but I think it's I think it's kind of playing out here. It's a failure of leadership. Those uh, are the words I keep banging away on every Saturday morning here. The failure of leadership starts with the president of the United States, but is not limited, is not limited to the resolute desk. It's a failure of political leadership um, in, in Washington at large. And I think you're right, Howard. I think on the other side of this, no nobody on the other side of this is going to say, thank, thank God for Washington, D.C., other than, other than in, in fairness to the people who are down there risking their own lives to go to work, wearing masks now, Jim, I will point out, thank you, now wearing masks all but one in the White House. You know, they did, they did pump trillions of dollars into the economy, which has helped. It ha- has hardly saved it. But I, I think that, too, is falling apart. Look, in, in a three-week period, People who could not agree on what day of the week it is came together to inject $3 trillion into a desperate economy in a, in a flawed but, but bipartisan bill, and, and now they're back to yelling at each other. And yeah, that, and I think that part of that, we just saw that for with- the economy. Forget for, for a moment testing, which... Technical difficulties from the porch in Cape May, Mark. Yeah, I am sorry to lose Jim, but while he's on hold, the testing, by the way, I just want a footnote here, testing has nothing to do with us being a freer country than than South Korea. We were unprepared. Jim, I hope you're back and listening to my speech. We we were unprepared. Sure, it the the lack of preparation began administrations ago, but but this administration failed. All right, Jim, you listening to me? <laughs> I can hear you. Are you here? Yeah. You're just fully taking advantage of the fact that I can't respond. Absolutely right. Can you hear me now? Yeah. And while we're on the subject, how is it Obama's fault that Michael Flynn lied to Trump and he fired him? That, while, I, while I have the floor and you can't talk, Jim, how is oh it gosh, Obama's I mean, I mean, fault that Michael Flynn and lied to Trump and Got Just fired. Sticking knives in Flynn back, as he's on his to, way. Here's here's a great idea. Undermining him with Kobe and McCabe and the rest of the guys. In the middle I mean, of John Durham is busy. I does anybody in, does anybody the, care? Does anybody in care? In the middle about of the worst. Mark, in the middle mark. of the worst global <laughs> crisis in in our time. Let's go back and relitigate whether Barack Obama was born in Kenya. I think it's just because these things. I think I think Trump's on to something now is because because now with now all that information's been declassified. It's going to be a going to be an interesting fall as it relates to those issues. I don't think to answer your question, Howard. I think people like Mark and I who like to fart fight about. He says, "Who cares about this?" And I and I said the answer to it right now. Not a lot of people, unless you're partisan on one side or the other, uh, in a in a in a strong way. But I think come fall, these issues are going to bear out some more fruit but we'll see yeah. uh, the other let's let's move yeah. on howard let's talk we'll talk a little bit about 
um, Heroes Act and the aspirational wishes of Nancy ah, Pelosi and that. That's, it's just a political marker, a three trillion dollar package that's never going to pass. Did you just say Nancy Pelosi's playing politics with this hard, virus? Hard to believe. It's a um, campaign document. Hard to believe. No, it's, it's absolutely a campaign document. And she's, sure. I mean, she tried to. She struck first. She's trying to say, "Hey, I'm here and I'm taking care of the people," but. We know that isn't going to pass. There's there are things on in the bill that will pass, but the bill itself is dead on, is dead on arrival. It, it's a campaign document. There are things in it that'll pass. There's a lot in it that we all know isn't going to. It's a, a negotiation. It's campaign season, and so far, Jim, the Democrats have said we're we're here to help. Here's three trillion dollars. And the Senate uh, majority leader has said, I don't think we need anything more. Everybody's doing fine. Let's just make sure businesses don't get sued. So those are the bid and ask at the moment. Which we know is a real, let's not, let's not minimize that issue. There's a lot of liability exposure it's there, a, Mark. That's a really important it, issue. It is a really important issue, but the campaign position staked out by your party is we don't need any more money. Let's just make sure we, we protect these businesses here. The truth of the matter, of course, is they're both campaigning. They're both negotiating. But, but yeah, I want to go and back. Let's not talk about the millions of dollars well, thing, that are going to One, thing, that, one thing that's it, really. to ask a question. I want to ask a question because in prior here, here comes, podcasts. Here comes a statement in the form of a question. Jim. No, no. Yeah, no, this no, is no. actually <laughs> numerical. You can quantify this. This is, I'm giving a shout out to our friends, Howard at Susquehanna. This is what are the odds? This is the what are the odds question. I, I was saying earlier on these podcasts, it was 65, 35, two and three, that another package got done by July 4. You guys told me it's 100% certain so I went up to 80-20. I'm thinking of backing that down. What? What? Are, how do you Go handicap? Put your money where your mouth is. How do you handicap something getting done here? What gets done when? There is 100%. I still say it is 100% that a package gets done. Um, the economy, I mean, first of all, watch the market. The market is pricing. 100% there's going to be another package that that's look, that's my view. Um, the economy is terrible. God knows what the May unemployment numbers are going to show. It's going to be massive. It was 15% for the April numbers. It's going to be approaching 20%, maybe even north of 20%. When the May numbers come out in, in early June, they're gonna have to do something more, and, and I love it. Brady agrees. Brady is absolutely right. Howard, in, interpret for us: is that a hundred percent Brady saying, or is that eighty twenty? Is he agreeing with me or you? <laughs> what do you think, Brady? Um, I apologize to our listeners for uh, Brady's barking, but you know, Should I apologize gotta... for the name of your dog, but that's a whole I, different. I story. do every day, but Marky went to Michigan. <laughs> So Fair notwithstanding enough. that it's Fair sacrilegious enough. for a giant fan to name his dog Brady, A, Jake picked it in the <laughs> 10 minutes he was obsessed with Tom Brady. Yeah. B, he went to Michigan, so it's totally... He's, he's a, Brady's okay. a Big Ten dog. I'm all for that. Totally okay. 
Um, no, I think it's, uh, I just think it's likely that, that they have to, I think they are going to do another deal. Look, the, the state and municipal crisis alone, notwithstanding the fact that we're going to go borrow another three quarters of a trillion dollars to, to bail them out. It's, it's massive what's brewing at the state and local level. Jim, you and I are in that loop every day these days. It, it's massive. They have to do another state and local package. And then the liability issue, you know, it's real. You've got the trial bar. You got the trial lawyers in every state licking their chops wow, over suing all the companies that are involved in trying to bring the economy back. That is that is the most outrageous thing of the entire crisis. The Democrats, I think, Mark, just have a have a losing issue there. They're going to anger a lot of people because from state to state to state, and we're in it all across the country, as you know, the, the blue state governors and legislatures are bending over backwards to accommodate the plaintiff's bar. Well, wait, to the wait, detriment wait. of these companies that are trying to bring back the country amidst horrible circumstances. And, and these company companies are scared. I hear you. I think you're, uh, a little ahead of the the plot here so far what the blue state and some red state governors have done contrary to the trial bars uh lobbying and, and on this the trial bar should be absolutely ashamed of itself so far what has happened is liability immunity immunity from litigation from lawsuits has been granted to individuals individual Healthcare providers, doctors, nurses, everyone. Right. They don't take physicians, assistance all the down the chain. Is what is what is what motivates that trial bar, and they're not protecting those deep pockets who actually employ the individuals and are all right. hurting and that's now the already. Next level, right? And, and that's the yeah, problem. That's the next level, and I agree with you. And I think down in Washington, you're going to see compromise by the Democrats. I think here in Pennsylvania, Jim, you're going to see compromise by the Democrats on that issue. But absolutely what, what's going on, Howard, and, and we talk about this uh, all the time, is this whole crisis, of course, got superimposed on all of the issues and, and all of the fighting that was going on beforehand. And this is tort reform in the age of the coronavirus. And and it is going to, I, I think, be a battle. But I think you're going to see some some movement. You're going to see some movement on other issues. I'll I'll give you another one that we were just talking about yesterday uh, with a number of our clients. Uh, adult use uh, cannabis in Pennsylvania and a number of places. You're going to see coming um, up and and probably moving forward because of revenue. Things that promote state revenue, I think, have a greater shot now than than before the crisis, and and things that that don't are going to uh, be a problem. Yeah, and I think you're going to see municipal authorities and municipal governments. You know, the, the where it's where the rub is really going to occur there is were they in trouble before COVID, just like businesses really, but were they in trouble before COVID, and how is government going to react to those folks that? want to use this as a bailout for mismanaging 
a local water authority, if you will, or a local municipality. I think, you know, government has to be real careful about how they're treating folks that were in trouble to begin with. Yeah, there's just no way, though, to deal with the existential threat that's out there and fully address the moral hazard. There isn't. And at the end of the day, the politicians are going to have to suck it up and accept that some people that don't deserve it because they've mismanaged their books are, are getting it anyway. Well, so we've seen it. Howard, look, we look need at to- what happened with PPP. You saw the SBA come out uh, this week and say, anybody who got less than $2 million, you have safe harbor. Right. Moral hazard, no moral hazard. We don't have the auditors. We don't have the bandwidth. Shocking. Yeah, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of fraud and abuse in there, but the overwhelming majority is well-deserved and desperately needed uh, cash for small businesses. So, yeah, there's well, a guys, trade. Let's, 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 let's pivot. Switch. Let's switch pivot. to politics here. Yeah, let's hour. pivot. <laughs> like, because... I, I'm having much more fun. I want to talk about Jim, you brought AOC. up the bill. I mean, I didn't AOC. want to talk about the bill. AOC being named to co-chair the Energy Committee for Biden's presidential campaign. Should, would we see Secretary Ocasio-Cortez me, setting Jim. energy policy for this country? Excuse me. She's very well qualified, having been a bartender and a congresswoman for a year. Well, wait. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we're going to ground the airplanes. We're going to kill the energy industry of Pennsylvania. We're going to well, ban the virus. You know, the virus grounded uh, the airplane. So she, she already accomplished that. Look, now she, she was appointed. Yeah, right. We have blue skies again in certain cities where we didn't appointed. have it. We should, we should not all go back to yeah. work because of it. She was appointed three days ago and already the airlines are grounded. So you, you, no arguing with success. Look, you guys are hilarious. You guys are hilarious. On any given Saturday morning, and, and I know Brady's on my side, our, our listeners can't see that Brady is now licking the microphone. The real Tom Brady's not on your side. That's because Brady's on my side. You clowns on any given Saturday morning team up and yell at me. He's Biden's got to get Bernie no, no, on no, board. Howard Biden's- is uh, Howard is Jekyll and Hyde. You guys team <laughs> up with me. Guilty. You, you guys are always telling me, what's he going to do with the progressive? What's he going to do with, with Bernie? This is a unity task force. It is going to have the same impact on ultimate policy in the Biden administration as all task forces. It's a political appointment and a Last Saturday, you were telling me he needed to do this. Now he's done it, and and it's of course, of um, course, he needs to do it to to get any enthusiasm out of his base. Right now, he's at twenty nine percent among his supporters in terms of enthusiastic enthusiasm yeah. among his own supporters. Is at twenty nine percent. So that's a even, even a stop clock is right twice a day. That's the second time you've been right in this podcast, Jim. <laughs> I, of course, the enthusiasm on Trump's side is greater than on Biden's side. It was in 2016. It's, it's what made Trump president. Right. And, and, it's, and it's abysmal on Biden's side. Well, so he's, he's, not even, he's not even running a campaign. Right. 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 
Biden right. isn't even campaigning. I think he's doing pretty damn well. He's ahead in the national polls. We all know that's not how you select. Well, where, where is he? 52-46. He's ahead in the battleground states. No, he's not. It's not among CNN poll today. The real clear politics average of the polls. 52-46. But he is doing... Jim. That's a CNN poll. He's I'm doing, picking on my own network here. It's a CNN I, poll, Mark. I thought they <laughs> furloughed you, Jim. <laughs> aren't you, aren't you, aren't you, are you still getting paid? You got furloughed. I'm still, uh, no doubt I'm still on the rolls. <laughs> All right. You got to admit, I want both of you right now to have a moment of clarity and honesty and admit that Joe Biden is doing great for a, an old guy running for president from his basement. You got to admit that that's not. It's he's, a, he's a he's the accidental nominee. He's only the nominee because there was nobody else on the ticket that could rise to the challenge, and he's not running a campaign. He's he's invisible. He's not running. A, he's not even campaigning. He needs to be invisible, Howard. He's not saying anything that makes sense when he does speak. <laughs> well, maybe that's a strategy. <laughs> It's uh, five and a half months out. He's not invisible in his base. He's not invisible in his parties. Invisible to you guys. One of you lives in a state that doesn't count because the founding fathers thought the electoral college was a good idea. Maybe it was then. It's not not looking that good these it's days. It's a safe bet to, to win the state of Maryland, Mark. And and one of you guys is on the payroll against him. So I, uh, I'm going to defer to others to, uh, to judge how well he is and isn't doing. But I, I completely admit that I look forward to him engaging. I think he should engage. So, guys, party, party shots. Jim's yeah. always the problem. <laughs> That's my party <laughs> shot. I think, look, the party shots of this, I, I think this campaign – you know, you had the president in Allentown, Pennsylvania this week talking about jobs and the economy in Pennsylvania. And you had Biden appointing AOC who wants to do nothing but kill jobs in Pennsylvania. That's my story this week. More people in the country uh, don't want Trump to be president than want him to be. Everyone who wants him to be is going to vote. Not everyone who doesn't want him to be is going to vote. Joe Biden's challenge is to motivate those people to come out, give them a reason to believe and to get up and get out, whatever that means, by the way, mail in, in person, however we do this. And that has been true uh, since Trump got uh, sworn in. And it's going to be true no matter what happens on election day. It's a turnout election and a lot of work that you guys don't see is going into that effort on the other side. Well, I say on the other side of Jim, it's unclear where you and Brady are, Howard. Brady, what do you think? <laughs> Guys, enjoy the uh, enjoy the day. Enjoy the beautiful weather and uh, get outside. And we will talk next week. Always a pleasure, Jim. Always. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Beltway Briefing. If you liked our show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And while you're at it, drop us a rating. To learn more about the Beltway Briefing or Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, please visit our website at copublicstrategies.com.